Welcome, everybody. We open the locker room, Tunch and Wolf, with Matt Williamson sitting in on a Sunday morning, a slow Sunday morning. Yeah. Unless, of course, you were Sunday morning. You know, a player. Because then, oh, yeah, you know, right. you got to kick it off here in about the half an hour or so. Early one. Um, yeah, I, you know, Sunday morning shouldn't be for pads. I'm sorry. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you're saying, but I would bet they'll be pretty happy with dinner with mom and dad Sunday night maybe or whatever. You exactly. Know, there's, there's so some, I, I wonder, I, I don't understand why they kicked it up early. Yeah, like I don't either. A, a, it's a closed practice. Um, I'm not I don't sure know, what the logic is behind that. Or Yeah. yeah. That's uh, one of them deals that's for Because they're off favorites. tomorrow. I mean, do you think it's right. just to give them more time away from the facility? I Get them guess. out of there earlier well, today? You know what they're going to do with a big move, moving everything from Heinz uh, Field to the south right, side. Right, right, right. So I would imagine it's got something to do with that. That makes sense. Probably. So just the logistics of That's a big move. Oh, it's huge. I mean, oh, my goodness. I, I always was just blown away by moving from St. Vincent's to the south side. I mean, you talk about oh, a, yeah. a monster you know, operation. Well, first of all, you go from the south side to St. Vincent's. Well, right, right. All then that. coming back. For not a very long stretch of time. No. It, all it, the weights yeah, and exactly. you know, training rooms and all that kind of stuff it takes to move a whole team and the, uh, all the employees that aren't you know football people as well, ticket offices and, I mean, security. I mean, it's a massive underdoing. You know, I still don't get the idea that uh, – some some uh, guys get to go away. You know, I'm trying to remember who was. The, there was a couple of teams like, well, Cowboys were one. Right, they right. They get to, you know, go away to their training camp facility. and. I used to think the exact same thing until I watched Hard Knocks the other day, which was the Cowboys. Uh-huh. Because they showed the living quarters for at least Zeke Elliott and Dak Prescott. Right. And I, they have nice condo rooms <laughs> per player. So it's all about, instead of sticking a couple guys in a dorm all close to each other, the Cowboys all have this nice luxury, not luxury, but a very nice apartment slash condo per player. <laughs> and they hop on a bicycle and go to the field. And so they're a little more spaced out, I think. Oh, that's little, funny. Little, little finer living. Going, let's face it, what's the deal with spacing them out when... I totally agree. Everyone's you know, getting tested. And, yeah, you're right. in the locker room. You, Makes you no got sense the, the jab, all that sort of stuff. Right. And I don't know. I don't know. To me... It still didn't add up. But yeah, I can it's see why you'd approve the crazy. Cowboys. Yeah. You know, I remember one of the things I hated was we went to, um, in 83, uh, because it was so cold in Pittsburgh and we were playing the... Raiders in the playoffs. We went to Thousand Oaks, mm, which okay. was the Cowboys back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I think that's still where they're at. Is it? Is I it think really? so. Yeah. Okay. Well, we we went there for I don't know the week before, and um, yeah, it was. You know, it, you get on each other's nerves after a while. You're oh, in the sure. middle of the season, and it's just like uh, it gets aggravating. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember one time, <laughs> I'm in my my room. I'm just laying there, and all of a sudden, uh, who was it? Tommy Beasley, and I think it was Gary Dunn. They just came walking in the room. And, you know, we were talking, and uh, all of a sudden, they got this evil glint between the two of them, and they grabbed the foot of the bed. It's like a big double bed. Yeah, yeah. And they slammed me upside down against the wall. <laughs> and just I for something like, to do. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just, you know, they got nothing better to do. Let's go right. and hassle Wolf Lake. Right, right. Slam them upside <laughs> against the wall. I'm upside down. I'm like, Hey! <laughs> Just getting tired of seeing each other and need a diversion. Huh? It's, how does that happen? <laughs> and then, of course, Chalooch, you know, he's supposed to be my wingman. He's laughing hysterically along with the whole thing. I'm like, going, well, thanks a lot, he man. He might have been in on it. Yeah, really. <laughs> he probably was. He probably was. He probably gave him the, the, the inside scoop. Indeed, indeed. So, anyhow, as we roll along through oh, this training camp, and, again, they're actually they're breaking it down already. I mean, you're talking mm-hmm. about what 3 weeks, 2 weeks uh, they've been going right. at it. So forth. They're back to regular season mode, full they're, stretch from what yeah. I understand as soon as the Lions game's over. It's yes, like, yeah. exactly. They moved to that and um you know I'm I'm trying to think definitively what have we accomplished or seen, you know, in the and whole they, next process. week more than other people. Yes, exactly so. It's a great conversation. I mean, I think we have some inclinations and there's a lot of bottom of the roster guys or, you know, um, not superstars that have made names themselves and are having good camps. But part of me is cautiously optimistic. You know, I know we're going to talk O-line. And, boy, the O-line just dominated the second half. Right. But they were a stalemate against Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave. You know, I mean, they're not going to play against the second half. The, right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, no, I got you. The, the, you know, I've watched a lot of these preseason games, and there's a lot of unrecognizable names that – 
regular season is going to be a lot different. You usually line up against that Bills front that goes eight to ten deep with pretty good players. Oh, no you know doubt what I mean? about right. it. Uh, yeah, I, I think you're on some. Look, the second half, what I liked was um, the second-tier guys. They came along and they played against other second-tier guys. Mm-hmm. And we saw and a, lot of, a lot of the – yeah, and, and I, I think we saw a lot of the elements that we were looking for. Movement at the point of attack. Yep, yep. Guys sustaining blocks until the whistle. You know, that extra effort, combativeness, and actually going after people rather than positioning. Yeah. These are all important Coaching qualities. points that are they clearly are. being stressed. Exactly. Right, right, and right. I, I think, Matt, I've seen growth in it. How about you? Yeah, 100%. And that's definitely encouraging. And I think Kevin Colbert opened camp with his press conference saying, we like our depth. It's just unproven. And basically paraphrasing, a lot of you out there don't know it yet because we're around these guys every day and you're not. And I think that's come to fruition, especially on the O-line. But, you know, your eighth and ninth offensive linemen don't play. <laughs> you right. You know what I mean? No like, doubt. Depth is great. Well, but I'd like let to me, see Zach Banner moving people, there, too. You hope you know? they don't play. You hope they don't play. <laughs> yeah, depth I mean, is wonderful, and it comes into play. It, it, it has to be. Right. And the O-line, of course, is the biggest question mark, especially since the Schober trade. I think that the, the other area of weakness or concern got shored up with that one. But it's just a lot of uncertainty with the line. And I'm – you, know, you watch a game like that, and you're like, boy, this is really encouraging. To your points, they're getting off the ball, the style of play that they, they are exhibiting, and up to the whistle. But let's see them do it against some ones. You know? Yeah, and, you know? that, and that's what we're going to have the opportunity when the Lions come to town. Yeah. Ben Roethlisberger is going to be in, and you know how it is. And when that'll the, be exciting to see. When the King's in the castle, you better be prepared to uh, defend the castle. Without a doubt. Because, uh, you know, the, those guys are trying to storm the castle. <laughs> I know we want to talk O line and depth charts and what we saw yesterday in practice, but I got to think they're going to push pretty hard for Zach Banner to be on the field as the starting right tackle for Ben. I got to believe so. Right. I mean, you know, you take a look right now, uh, Chaz Green, the right tackle uh, of record as far as most snaps uh, last week, uh, hit 52 snaps over Kevin Dotson's 50. Um, Obviously, had they took a long look at him there. They mm-hmm. wanted to see what he could do. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, Joe Hegg, you you know what you got. Yeah, right? I think he's kind of, you know, what the, the book yeah. is written on him. Almost. Yeah, I think he could be the swing tackle. He's he's the guy that, uh, you know, he, he's a fighter. He's you a know, fighter. he's go out there and it's going to be, um, it's a fist fight with him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to just do what he needs to do to you know, stay on his feet, get in the way and, and move people. And, I mean, he's a good, he's a decent NFL lineman. Exactly. You know what I mean? Right. I mean? But he's not somebody that you want to um, start the season with. No, I think so, too. Like, he gets you out of the game if somebody's down, or he actually has some experience at guard. Certainly seems like more of a tackle to me, especially with his body type. You know? Right. But I thought he was a nice pickup, though, and they got him for cheap. Uh, they have a lot of those, the Bellages of the world and people like that, Millette, that you know weren't big-name guys, but I think they'll be useful signings, and he's already proven to do that. But he's not the answer, you know. I mean, he's a, a, a bit player here and there, and break in case of emergency type of guy. But you know exactly what he is, right? You know? And and you those are the, those comprise a, a good percentage yeah, of right, the team. Yeah. You got to have guys like that. Uh, if you go to you know, you take a look at um, yesterday. Kevin Dotson finally moved up with ones, and it was kind of interesting to me because uh, Mike. I don't know what Kevin did exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. I don't know if we'll ever get that yeah, story. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not really sure. But, you know, the fact is Kevin is, is you know, Mike T says he played well in the game. But I wouldn't anoint him just yet. And, I mean, you couple Even that Even after the game, right. Yeah. I mean, I you couple, we're done here in this stuff. But. Yeah. But, you know, you, you go back to, uh, you know, Mike talking earlier. What are we talking about? He hadn't done anything yet. You mm-hmm. know, um, I wouldn't anoint him just yet. Now, again, I've, had, I've seen – him talk that way. Lawrence Timmons comes to mind. That was Mike's first, one of his uh, early, I think early first Tolman, draft pick. Yeah, I think you might be right. Yeah, um, and and I remember Mike coming by and talking about the fact, you know, don't don't anoint him just yet. Basically, mm-hmm. uh, in other words, but and these I, are calculated words from the head coach. It these is. aren't accidents. It is. Yeah, because this is a guy that uh, I love it because Mike claims I don't have a doghouse. Well, it's like I was telling you before. If you don't have a doghouse, that. This is what it would look like if he did, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> I think Kevin... don't, but uh, not everyone's in the uh, the luxury suites that the Cowboys are at staying right now. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> the, the, the doghouse is a little uncomfortable right now for the the young guard, the young left guard. But 
I thought after the way he played Philly in Philly, we'd never hear about this again. Weeks down the road, we would forgot it even happened. Blipping the radar. But it came up again, you know. It did, yeah. you know. And so it, it lets you know that whatever is going on is not over yet. You right, know? right. But he was encouraging. You know, Mike at the same time yeah. was encouraging. You know, he played well. He did play well. He, you yeah. know, 50 snaps. Um, you know, you watch some of the double-team blocks. Okay, there was one time J.C. Hessenauer and, and uh, or Kendrick and, and uh, um, Kevin – got split you know one mm-hmm. came off when he shouldn't and you leave the guy alone those sorts of miscues that you that's what to see happens. that for the f- yeah. for first couple games of regular it season too, in the right? preseason yeah. yeah but when you watch him line up and and walk a guy off the line of scrimmage basically by himself because mm-hmm. there was very little to no help from the left tackle who uh, was in the act of blessing <laughs> the three technique rather than hitting the three technique you know um and and I, I say the laughingly cuz it's Dan Moore is this kid's got some t- ability. Yeah, and they flipped him the right tackle they too. Did. I think that's worth bringing up too. Yeah, that point. is right. good. Go ahead, finish I, that. I, I will in a minute, but I mean, I think it's interesting because even Tomlin started camp by saying, you know, he talked about Flacco. We're not scheming things up here. You know, right. we, we understand quarterbacks are going to uh, pick apart predictable coverages. We're just seeing who can block, tackle, rush the passer, coverage, and I think Dotson has shown he can block. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like maybe the the intricacies aren't going to be there, the communication, and should have held this plus double team a little longer, all those type of things. But he shows that he has the skills to be a starting left guard. You know what I mean? That's pretty apparent to me. I love when he trapped. Uh, one time he trapped. He just bodied this guy up and almost threw him <laughs> to the outside. You don't see that much of the no, outside. I mean, no, I mean, no. Kevin is a big, strong dude, man. And, and it, it's like – Sometimes even when he's not in good under and up leverage position, it doesn't matter. He's he still, just brute strength. Yeah, yeah he right. just kind of you know really he, he yeah, mans it. You know, right. tosses the game. I love when you get the body tossing. When you can start tossing bodies out there, stacking them like cordwood, you got something cooking, and you know you got some gas going. You there, don't buddy. get defensive linemen off their feet very often, no. just by brute strength and force. I mean, I think people the, the misconception out there is that happens more than you think. It doesn't. I no. mean, even the double teams. I mean, these guys are. Really good at what they do. I they mean, it's do. Rare, yeah. They are. That's very true, Matt. That's a true statement. I mean, back in the day, my day, it was moving guys, throwing the the three the the down lineman into the lap of the linebacker. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't happen much, you know. With with these guys, they're so big and strong on the inside. But when you see Kevin do it, and you see Kevin do it by himself, yeah, right. right. Um, you're like going, "Wow, get Zooks, That's what it looks like. Yeah, we'll work with that's that. That's what right, it looks right. like. Yeah, that's... and I think that's why they're coaching him so hard. You know. And he's he's got not special abilities, but he's got a lot of ability. He's got he he might be on the border of having special yeah, abilities. He does. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna go to break. We'll be back with more right here in the locker room. SNR. When you want black and gold football talk, you want SNR. Welcome back, everybody. It's a slow Sunday morning. Would have been faster if I'd picked up some donuts, but Dad Gummit, I couldn't get down there in Banksville <laughs> to get by. You know, the Dunkin', you know, Dunkin' Donuts is is it's it's a great happy place to be. You, know? <laughs> you ever go in there? You know, you got nice lights and you got everybody's you know, smiley. Everybody's smiling. You got some good Dunkin' Donuts coffee with some good Dunkin' Donuts. You take nope. the donuts, you dunk them in the coffee, you're happy. <laughs> it's quite the quite the racket they got going, yeah. <laughs> Boy, what a scam that is, right? <laughs> well, we're back talking uh, football here. And, of course, you know, we were talking about Kevin Dotson. And uh, Kevin, you know, I mean, you look at this guy. He can knee bend on the trap. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, can, he can, you know, m- get movement at the point of attack. His pass protection – is very very good, you know. He can get out on search and destroy missions. He checks the boxes in all yeah, ways. Yeah. And so I uh, he I, recovers better than I thought he would when they drafted him. That's you know, like that's when things great. Go his wrong, recovery, yes, pretty good. I thought he'd be a big body in motion that remained in motion. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Not be able to get back. He recovers pretty well. That's that's an excellent point, Matt. You know, and the other thing that you know sometimes you see him out there, um, and, and this this is with some of the other big hoofers, the whiff more in open field. Sure, I mean, sure. You know that I can see that that would be a concern there. But you watch him, and I, and like you say, his recovery ability, whether it's pass protection, whether it's uh, being slightly out of position on a trap and deciding to throw the man out in front of him, <laughs> you know, or coming off and double teaming, which essentially 
you double team by your one man double team. <laughs> you know, I mean that. I like it. I like it yeah, too. I like it. No, I like. I thought he played great. I thought he played great as a rookie. Obviously, there's a little something going on behind the scenes. But I mean, if I'm putting Ben out there on week three, he's gonna be my left guard. Right. I mean, just end the story. He's the best guy. Exactly. And, I, and you're gonna rectify that situation. I mean, yeah. I, I can't imagine that it's anything that, you know, it's Mike being Mike and Mike tu- tutoring young guys. Which, yeah. I mean, he's I, around these guys every day. He knows what absolutely. buttons to push. He knows and what they what need he to get the most out of them for now and for the big picture. Uh, quick, I want to talk some more line. I know you do too, but Finney being in there for Turner. Well, they gave anything to take talk out. Talk about practice yesterday. Yeah, um, I think uh, f- number one, um, BJ Finney is just he's just good. I say he's good. You know, that's kind of where I was going with that. I wasn't even talking about level, Turner yeah. too much. Is Finney's good? I, I've, I've liked him at guard. Uh, I think he does a really good, solid job. At, Do you agree at he's guard. a better guard than center? I would. I would seems say like it's I more think natural so. for him. I think yeah. It seems it seems very natural for him to play guard. Uh, he's a big boy. Uh, he's good. Good in, inside close quarter combat effectiveness. Mm-hmm. You know, you watch him. Um, obviously, running on the hoof is not one of his great no, strong sure, suits. No, sure, sure. I mean, but I think he's he's obviously got capabilities of getting the job done at all three inner triangle positions. 100% agree. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's just Brahma bull tough. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I, lo- I love the kid. The kid's got the, that great fighting spirit uh, with him. You know, he's... I'm glad he's back. That's yeah, for sure. yeah. I, you know, he took quite the. You know, he went from quite the Pittsburgh detour, right? to Seattle, then weird Cincinnati. COVID year, and yeah. you know, it, it was a strange year thing. for his career, without yeah. question. But I'm sure he's a lot happier to be home too. There's no question. I, I believe in my mind. Another guy that intrigues me is just Dan Moore. Yeah, um, we didn't quite get to him. Yeah, you know, the the fact is they moved him over to right tackle, and I it, lo- it looks like um, the possibility exists. He's good. He's in, in play for the swing tackle. I think I would rather have him out there as a swing guy as opposed to Haig, who we talked about. And when they signed Haig, he had done a fair amount of sixth offensive line stuff in his career and caught a touchdown for the Bucks. And, you know, like, okay. And he's played, you know, he, he has some swing tack- tackle capabilities. He's played left. He's played right. He's played guard. But kind of to your point before, he's not great at any of those things. I mean, he's fine. You can get out of the game with him. Where I think more in his um, – the Steelers have done this in the past, you know, where the guy's a swing tackle, he plays as a sixth offensive lineman, becomes a starter. You know, it's a good way. It's almost like a defensive player playing on special teams and get mm-hmm. him in games and things like that and get him involved, keep him, you know, very much in the game plan week to week. But I also feel for those mid-round picks. Like, if you're a first-round pick offensive tackle, right? you're a left or you're a right. You know, where Moore it doesn't have a – a starting spot that he's just going to grab and be granted and anointed. So, okay, you were going to get a left. Let's have you do something you might not be as good at on the right. Like, I was just getting good on the left. Leave, yeah. leave me alone. You're yeah. like, I bet that's frustrating for a player, but it's also a compliment. Well, it is a compliment yeah. because I would also say this too. I think it also raises the uh, heighten the um, the worry maybe about Zach's knee. Yeah, you good know point. I mean? right, right. Because maybe Zach, you don't make that move. You know, I mean, it's like, okay, we know we got Joe. Uh, you got the Hag. You got uh, Chaz Green. Um, you had a good look at Chaz Green. And, you know, you're thinking with Zach, you just, you're just a little worried. Does that knee hold up? Is it mm-hmm. going to hold up? I mean, first of all, that's a large-bodied man. So any sort of reconstruction, it Uh-oh, takes time. It will, you know. It's going to be stressed. Yeah, it's going to be stressed. And it's going to be one of these situations where uh, he's been held out thus far. And you might get a little antsy. If you're Adrian Clem, if you're you know Mike Tomlin, it might say, you know what, let's take a look and see if we can get Dan Moore some reps on the right side because, in event that uh, you know Zach is not able to answer the bell at some point in time, mm-hmm. or the fact that uh, you know, well, no, that would be it. Right? That's, that's it, right? I, I think you said that really well, and I bet that's more the logic behind it as opposed to we want him to be the swing guy, and maybe it's more of, well, Banner still isn't there, you know, he. Serious injury, right? Huge human being, you know all those things you mentioned, and Joe's fine. But if we got to go into week one with a a, a non banner right tackle, I think I'd rather it be more with two or three weeks of coaching than Hague is who he is type of situation. 
Um, I wouldn't look too much into it that, you know, Banner's not moving along super quick, but we still haven't seen him. I mean, he's only right. been out it there. It does make you a little antsy, I would Yeah, think. right, right. You know, I mean, because you're If he doesn't in... play in this game, I'd be real antsy. Yeah, okay. With Ben being the starter. The anticipation you know. right now is such that, in my mind, you know, it, it does make you have that concern. And so, in, in preparation, I think it's a great idea to get more some reps. Uh, one of the things that they said from the practice yesterday, he got better as he went along, and I know what it's like. Sure. Uh, I played only guard and only left guard for yeah. the first eight years of my career, eight or nine years. But you were around a lot of those guys that had to switch sides. Yeah. And, you, you switch sides, and all of a sudden things feel really foreign. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if you're left-handed and you're on the left-hand side, <clears throat> it's natural. But you move to that right-hand side, and you get try to get in the right-hand stance because when you go to a left-hand stance on the right side, um, everything just feels unnatural. Oh, I bet it's very awkward. You know? right. Your feet and even and though hands, your, yeah. your non-dominant hand is down on the right side, mm-hmm. um, you you've, your feet feel more aligned. Okay. You know what okay. I mean? Um, and it probably takes a lot of reps is, to get out of that. Yes. Yeah. And then you've got to start to, like for at tackle, it was difficult because now you start to, your, your perception of the center line playing the guy from inside out as you kick step back mm-hmm. is different. You're looking out of your more, you know, the right side of your eye. Okay. You know what I mean? The right eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the right your side. Your outside eye. eye. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and the game's evolve differently you know the twist stunt hits you different mm-hmm. than it did if you've got eight years or nine years of twist stunts hitting you uh you know you're punching to with your left hand and suddenly you know moving to tackle and on the right side can be difficult and all of a sudden that twist is coming hitting you in a different way it, it's a completely foreign feel i bet i bet and you know Moore played a little bit of guard early on at a and um acclimated very well here at left tackle was a left tackle at a and but you are asking them to do something that's probably unnatural for them. And to your point, there's probably a reason. And it's probably some concern. You know, like, I would imagine. Yeah. I would think if you're if you're covering all your bases. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, you, like I said, you got Chaz Green out there, 52 reps. You got Kevin Dotson out there, 50 reps. You know, you're, you're obviously pushing and testing these guys. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think that, uh, you know, they're deciding, all right, we got to give – more has looked good at left tackle. Yeah, I yes. Know. There's a lot to build on there. Yeah, yeah. I think the only thing that's kind of holding them back is just a little bit of uh, that, that extra confidence you get from repetition. Mm-hmm. You know, hope you when, don't lose that going to the right. Yes, right, exactly. Right. And that's going to be something he's got to reestablish. But that's a mindset. That's something you can handle, you can deal with, mm-hmm. that you can overcome. It takes a lot of extra work, and it takes a lot of the, the mental gymnastics that you have to do you know, and go about. But that's part of being the professional. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Chaz Green. I just want to bring him up quickly, too, because he is getting a look. He was a late addition to the team. Um, people remember that uh, Claiborne from Atlanta lit him up for like six sacks, and Dallas never helped the poor guy. I just watched him get beat time and time again. I remember watching that game. I think it was on a Monday night. But he's been in the league a while. I mean, he's not just a throwaway dude. Right. But I, I don't think you want him out there protecting Ben either. Well, if yeah, I mean – Let's face it, if you can survive six, giving up six sacks in a game, yeah, right. Uh, you're going to be you're, better for it at some point. Because, <laughs> you're still employed, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you must have some resiliency to you. Mm-hmm. you know, And that is probably one of the greatest uh, attributes of an offensive lineman is being resilient. I mean, yeah, you just yeah, got to yeah. be able to come back and get the job done and do it over and over. And you've got to be able to play that middle line, whether you don't get too high, you don't get too low, because the fact is you got to come up for the next blow. You know what yeah, I mean? That's yeah. really what it is. I mean, I, this kind of goes without saying, but people don't realize the mentality of an offensive lineman. They don't get to trot off the field in third and long or, ah, I ran a deep route, I'm going to get a breather here and get some Gatorade. You play every snap. I mean, you can't get too high or too low because you got to line up again and again and again. Well, the funny part is I think about <laughs> Always think about my, my brother Dunjilkin. You know his his first uh, game action was against the Jets. <laughs> he came back from knee injury. He missed a down block, um, gave up a pressure, and then uh, got a holding call. Three plays, and then he was pulled. <laughs> <And I> left, <laughs> Welcome back. You know, yeah, I mean, and, and again, I, I I celebrate that only only in fun because I know how the story ends. Yeah, and yeah, what, yeah. What the, a great the rest career. of the story went pretty well. Yeah, yeah. yeah he just. Tremendous, one of the That's all-time awesome, greats, Hall of Honor <laughs> guy. Uh, but the, the the funny part is listening to him talk about it. And go, yeah, you know that first three plays. I, you never heard of a guy go three plays and out. No, right. <laughs> you know, as an offensive it's lineman, it's hard to because, get mentioned by the announcer three plays in a row as an offensive <laughs> lineman, you know, good or bad. <laughs> yeah, 
you know it's bad. If the guy's three times in a row, you know it's a, and the announcer's mentioning your name, it's it's not a good thing. Probably you not. Know? Probably not. Absolutely. <laughs> but again, the story ended so very well for him as a player. And uh, you know, much love to my brother. Might on even made him a better morning. player deep down, <laughs> overcoming that initial hardship. Yes, indeed. And yeah, I, and that's that's part of it, mm-hmm. you know, because you survive these these bad games. Yeah, right. And, you know, you, you do not last long if you are not able to come back from it. You know, I set the... I think Especially this, at that position. Oh, yeah. You know, Monday night crazy football, when you do your job. My second year as a starter, I got, I think I got benched like three times in the game. No, yeah, well, I mean, it was only because my backup was doing just as bad as okay. me. <laughs> you were lucky you know, to have a good backup mom, at the time. Right? I talked to my mom the next day. She goes, honey, what happened? I was watching Monday Night Football. You're in, you're out, you're in. <laughs> Doesn't happen to guards very often. Right, right. Go, well, Mom, it was not a good night. Let me just put it this way, you know. But luckily it wasn't whoever yeah. by me's night well, either, yeah. The, the, the other part was was Raleigh Dotch, my line coach. And I remember Raleigh seeing him, uh, you know, a couple days later for films. And I remember Raleigh going, well, this is the type of event that can either make your career or end your career. It's how right. you handle it. Yeah, right, right. You know, and I remember he said, New Orleans Saints, now they're going to come up, they're going to 3-4, they're going to run that Mike uh, Moe U, you know what I mean, where the crossing linebackers mm-hmm. and everything. Um, and he said, how you handle that? Because you know, he said, the defense coordinator from, I was actually, it was uh, uh, Wade uh, Phillips. Wade Phillips. Wade, Wade Phillips. Phillips. Bum's son at yes. the time, yeah, with the Saints. He said, you know, Phillips is going to be watching that, and he's coming after you. He wants you. He's going to run that twist at you each and every time. <laughs> he went he on goes, the 60 years of defensive coordinating experience or whatever. Too. Exactly. Like one of the best guys ever. He said, if you don't shut it down, they will torture you the entire game until you're out. <laughs> Which probably put you on notice. Like, okay, I worked now I know what week. I got to do. They right, ran right. it six times at me in the first half alone. Um, did, but I shut it down all six times, nice. baby. And it's exactly Boy, what you would have done if you were a defense coordinator, right? Like, <laughs> Oh, I would have done it too. We're absolutely doing yeah, that. Right. They tried it one more time in the second half, and then after that it was, it was yeah. over. But it was like every now and then during the rest of that season – they ran that stun at uh, me. And, I bet you saw it 10 weeks later. Yeah. And that's what's amazing about this league is not many missteps go unnoticed. I mean, it's all on tape, and there's a lot of coaches now breaking it down. And, you know, you do something wrong, the same thing wrong twice in a row, you're going to get it forever. I mean, oh, especially yeah. if you're a corner or an offensive lineman or a reactionary position. You know what I mean? Exactly so. I think you make yeah. a great point. It's funny. You have a short matter fact, memory, too. <laughs> matter of fact, I remember Mike Webster after this. Boy, you really sucked tonight, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> and Webby, of course, was right to the point. He was on point. Probably and, much uh, of a rebuttal to that one either. No, there, there's there's no rough, rebuttal. Rough evening, what are you going to yeah. say to the right. maybe the greatest stealer ever? You know, and, you know, Mike Webster. Yeah, yeah well, you know, I had a few rough. No, you had a bad. You <laughs> sucked. <laughs> you just stunk. You know, yeah, you'll have that right. big. To quote Mike Webster, one time when it was so funny. Uh, we were playing Cleveland, and they blitzed off to corners. They bookended poor Mark Malone, and they crunched, just crunched him. It was a it was a, a blitz sandwich, you know. Okay. They uh, they knocked <laughs> Mark's helmet off. The force of the blow was so hard, um, the ear pads blew out of his helmet. Wow. He's laying on the ground. He's bleeding from his lip. His eyes are rolled up. He's already checked into Tuesday, you know. And there's Mike. <laughs> there's Tunch and myself. The crowd going absolutely bananas. And Mike, I just remember Mike going, well, man. You'll have that on big jobs like this. And then we were all like, well, I got my man. We got Nobody went to help poor Malone. Malone's laying on the ground. <laughs> you know, the yeah, he's and... like looking at the stars, which, you know. He's a hand here, guys, yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right, we'll be back with more here in the locker room. Craig Wolfley, Matt Williamson, of course, Tunch Ilkin with us as always in spirit. Back, back after this. You're listening to the official voice of Black and Gold Nation, SNR. In the locker room, Tonchin Wolf with Matt Williamson, of course. We got Brian Lamartina, who's here as always, ready to jump in and uh, go one on one pass rushing. You know, Matt, it's your turn. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, he keeps the ship moving now. Oh, absolutely. No doubt about it. All right. One of the guys that really intrigued me and okay. has intrigued me thus far throughout camp uh, has been. Um, the young Jameer Jones. Mm, good one. Ah, uh, you know what? I just watched a little interview clip with him. Thought he handled himself real fine. Came out, you know, and he says, 
He likes to rush till the whistle is blown. <laughs> that stands out. I mean, whether it's against run, pass, coverage, whatever, boy, he plays to the echo of the whistle. And special teams as well. I think that's a great attribute that is certainly showing up on tape. No question about it, Matt. You know, it's interesting because he says his greatest attribute, he says, I'm relentless. I, I, you I'm know, seeing it, right. I, 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 exactly. You yeah. just brought that out. Rep, you highlighted you know. that. He is one of these guys that, you know, it takes takes a little something special to be one of those guys that keeps finding ways to, to push the edge of whatever you're doing, whether you're mm-hmm. setting the edge and you keep grinding away. And he, that's what he keeps referring to is the fact that you, you just keep going until that whistle is blown. And a lot of guys, they don't get that. You no, know, they, right, they, right. Uh, you know, we used to jokingly refer to some offensive linemen um, as step and a half. You know, their effort was about a step and a half. Okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> I need a little more of that. Yeah. I mean, Sometimes we, you get away with it. Yeah, some guys, they're so, they're so good. You watch them, they can literally go from a full sprint to a, a dead stop and about a step and a half, too. You know what okay. I mean? Their effort, like, they, they make the big effort, okay, over. That's all I need, yeah. yeah. And it's funny, like, that outside linebacker position that Jones plays – there's going to be a lot of runs away from you, or not that you can go through the motions, but there's some defensive linemen that play a lot of snaps or edge guys that can realize, I can jog through this one. You know, I mean, I'm not going to make the play anyway. I'm not going to scrape down the line behind the line of scrimmage and catch that back from behind. But he realizes, you know, that's not where his bread's going to be buttered right. by any stretch. And he has made some pursuit plays away from him. And certainly, as your point before, fights to keep that edge when the run is his direction, you know, not to, to bend it in. He makes plays as a pass rusher. I, I, he does. I, I like him a lot. He does. You know, you look at him, and I think he, like I said, he elevated himself above Quincy Roche. I think he's mm-hmm. ahead of Cassius Marsh. You know, I mean, he's got an opportunity to, yeah. uh, especially because his, his uh, special teams play, he keeps showing up I'd say he's keeping making plays on special teams. I mean, and he's got to pay the rent, quote-unquote, air quotes there. Without question. I mean, especially considering the state of the, that team, or that position now. I mean, when you have the top three as strong as they are, it, the fourth guy is not going to see many snaps on defense. And, right. I mean, it's going to take a lot for those guys to make a, an impact on defense. So this is a wonderful story, but the fourth outside linebacker probably doesn't see the defense at all on game day. You know, not too so, much. Right. You know, so but you're going to be a core four guy. Right, right. And you know? I've said this before. I mean, I know it's a little early on these depth guys, but I think I'd take Roche and Jones over the Chickalos and Olas and some of the guys they've had there in years past. I mean, I think they both have upside, too. They're only getting better. You know? There's no question. I think that, uh, yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. You know, he also referenced the fact that T.J. Watt has been helpful in coaching him up, even though he's not practicing, that being T.J. I've been told but, that's been pretty evident, that he's been very involved and in, in a coaching manner, even if he's not taking the reps. I find that interesting because, you know, amongst some players, there's two things that happens with, like, uh, the, the terrific players. One is that they can't coach anybody up because they don't really know what they do. They just do it mm-hmm. they do it instinctively. It's natural. You know what yeah, I mean? Right, right. Yeah, it's not one. Or two, they're very guarded in how that they, they yeah. go about. You know, right, right. they don't share quote unquote the little secrets of the of the trade. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't appear to be what uh, TJ is all about. No. Jameer Jones says I pick his brain. I'm over there. I'm over, you know he and he works with me and, and helps me. And I think that's absolutely fabulous because you know one of the things that I think is um, you listen to Jameer and he talks about being on the couch last year, not having a job. Mm. You know, and, and you just go. All of that that scene with uh, because we just came from Philadelphia, you know, with, with uh, Rocky Balboa, you know, in Apollo Creed, there is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. You right. know what I mean? And you think there wasn't right? Right. There's a mindset there Especially that with the pandemic going your on abilities you can if you can tap play. into that. Yeah. No, you're 100 percent right. Um, you mentioned Watt being very useful. Highsmith has referenced that quite a bit over the last year as well. I'm curious. I know it's harder for you guys because you can't be next to them and pull them aside like you used to. Right. But I would think the veteran presence of Ingram helps that room as well. I mean, he's been around the block a couple times and an awful lot of success in this league. But I also think I'm not giving Joey Porter a hard time, but I think they've taken a step up in terms of position coaching over the last year or two. I mean, just all those guys, including Bud, Really right. improved every step of the way. They're getting well coached too. Everyone forgets about position coaches. No question. <laughs> you know? I, I I think you know they they've heightened the play there, and you know 
Joey was a great player, and sometimes mm-hmm. the great players don't communicate as well sure. on what they need from other guys, you know, and so that's that could possibly be something that, you know, for Joey that, you know, he's got to work on if he wants to continue in mm-hmm. that, that vein. Because, uh, you know, you look at passion him, and Yeah, know, I right, mean, right. Joey was just such a firebrand, you mm-hmm. know I mean? He was, he was just, he was all effort and intensity and everything else, and that's one of the things I think, though, that Joey could impart is that fierceness, that intensity, right, that ability right. to heighten what you're doing. You know, I always think about um, my son. You know, just this, this weekend, my son came uh, and, and his fa- brought his uh, lovely bride and, and kids. You know, and so they were hanging out at the house, and, and you know, had uh, um, other, other my other kids there, and it was a wonderful time. But whenever I'm around him, I always go back to when he went through Ranger School. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I mean, how tough of an 11 week trial that imagine. was. Right. And he, I remember him losing 35 pounds. 35 pounds. He was. Like, I how mean, heavy was he when he went? 178. He was ripped wow. muscle at 178. He wasn't overweight at no, all. He was, oh, no, he right, was no, no, Right, right, is, right, right. You know, you, you, uh, you are, you're deprived of sleep, of food, everything, yeah. you know. But, um, you know, it reminds me of the one time in Stone Mountain, Georgia. They were standing, one of the rotations was Stone Mountain, Georgia, and they're standing guard for six hours in a December rain. I mean, it was just miserable. Yeah, nothing fun you know, about cold, it. Yeah. And, and the R.I., the ranger instructor, comes out. He's got a box of donuts. <laughs> and he's there, and he's holding it up and says, anybody want to end this misery, come on up and take a donut. You know, and I remember Kyle saying, you know, Dad, I watched a couple guys go, they're, they're broke. They're done. Yeah, they're yeah, just they're, done. They're, they're through, but they will never be the same. You know, and that's something that, that can happen to a ball player. You oh, know sure, I mean? sure. You, I told Kyle, I go, well, you're lucky your dad wasn't there. I'd have tackled the RA. Take him, <laughs> if I'm going down, I'm taking the whole Every box of, of donuts, right. yeah, baby. Right, right. I ain't taking one. Found my weakness. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but the fact is, you know, that's that's what I think Jameer, when it, listening to him and you, you look at his eyes and you listen to his words, and it's that sort of uh, you got to find that intensity in you, that mm-hmm. overcoming, you know, all sorts of trials and everything. This guy's hungry. This guy he sure reminds, seems like it. He, he plays seems like, like it. somebody that yeah, he's bringing out the hunger. Yeah. I mean, you see that a lot around the league, and you know, actually, unfortunately, you see the opposite where people cash it in or you know don't realize what it takes to stick around, or especially if you're not super high picks or whatever. But I wonder if Haskins is going through a little bit of that too. You know, I mean, people forget how young these human beings are for one. Thing. Right. Most right. of these guys are under 25, and you know, what were we like at that age? But I mean, Haskins comes here after getting cut and embarrassed publicly, and probably realized I need to. Look myself in the mirror and change a little bit of what I'm doing. Oh, that's you know a good what I mean? point. And I'm sure all these guys have gone through that. And you know, Jones sitting on the couch could not have been easy when you're looking around, going, "Man, this league's in a weird spot right now. I could easily be forgotten. I don't have a lot of tape out there, you know." And the Steelers took a chance on it. Absolutely. You know, one of the things I wanted to ask you was because I, I was thinking, was like, how does a scout evaluate and quantify? Um, a player's desire. I think it has to be the hardest thing, it's without got, question. Yeah. Here's kind of how I know is I was only a professional scout for one year, and I went into a bunch of colleges, and I was learning. It was my first time in there, and I quickly realized, man, I don't have any sources here. I'm just watching tape, and I'm sitting down with the director of football ops or whoever was in charge of talking to us, and I think I'm asking the right questions, but then – Gorse or somebody like that who's been in there his whole life knows exactly who to talk to, gives donuts to the right people, you know. Gives that always little, gets your points. Donuts uh, in you know, the I right that hands. One quick. That one didn't take me long to figure <laughs> out. Take a bunch in. Went in doubt to get the extra dozen, too. And you know. Oh, yeah. But, like, knowing who to talk to and where to find the information, I quickly realized I didn't know, you know, because I, I was fortunate enough in my pit time and my short time with Akron, I was on the other side, you know, where – I kind of dealt with some of the scouts that were coming in and watched them, and they'd, people would pull me aside to practice. Hey, is Larry as good a guy as you think? You know, those type of things. And I realized it, it's that's got to be the hardest part. Evaluating the athlete and the scheme and all those things are, are hard, but it's a, a learned trade and you right. can get it. But the other one is just the information gathering, and, you know, you have to be kind of like a uh, – an undercover type of guy at, at times to dig up all the right things. Does that go go to a, a, the character of a person? I think so. I think so. I mean, 
I know a lot of the the great scouts will ask the lunch ladies, the janitors, the strength coach. I mean, anyone, the the junior high coach. You know, like right. And if they all say the same thing, unprovoked, well, it's probably who the guy is. You know what I mean? But I also think I always worry too. And this is a, a, a football aside. I was a lot different when I was 18, 19, 20 than I was when I was 28 or 38. Or I mean, like, you got to realize these people can right. change, too. You know, so uh, I, I do think some people probably get swept under the rug for one young, one small mistake or whatever and unfairly. You know, it's interesting because to quote the great Bill Nunn, when one time I was, I was sitting with Bill Nunn <laughs> watching tape and, uh, you know, again, trying to impress him with my puny now <laughs> as i look at it now I go okay really that that's unfair that's just a beat down looking back it wasn't on, <laughs> on me that, you know i mean it's an easy easy beat down on me man <laughs> and but he looked at me and you know after I, I i made some sort of comment and he goes um can he learn it and i was like how do you uh, answer that how do you know yeah i mean i don't even have no idea right and that was where he just started to smile and laugh and you know and that was just, I understood then, we're talking about a whole nother level a whole of nother level, right? being able to ascertain what and, and quantify what a guy is all about. Yeah, you know? boy, he's big and he's fast and he changes directions well. And we can all see that. But when I ask him to change something when he's tired and he's got a sore knee and it's raining and the fans are screaming and we have to make an adjustment to line and he runs the wrong way, that's a problem. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, it I is. Mean, you know this better than I do. I mean, it seems like to me... If you could ask every coach in the world, what do you value the most? It's almost trust and reliability. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, I want playmakers. And if you make one great play, but you have five bad ones, or that, that's you right. know the equation. You know that's that's a bad bad situation. You got to limit the, the the bad ones. You know the hardest part to, for for me is understanding uh, just how deep can a guy dig in. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? One of the things that I, I always go back to with the Ranger experience uh, with my son. Um, he was never the same after he was done. Oh, I'm sure. You know, it, it took him to a place of the deepest, toughest part, part of him. and it's Which suddenly, is by design, of course. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. And it, it accelerates you because when you know you can come to the very end of yourself and beyond and you still hang on mm -hmm. and still get the job, you're, you're, not, you're never like the normal guy that never gets tested that Deep. I, I assume you have to see the world differently. Yeah, you know, like it's almost like new set of eyes. Yeah, it exactly is. I mean, well, it, it's even like in combat. Once mm -hmm. you've seen combat, you're, you're never the same. Yeah, I'm guy. sure no, no one is. You know, right. I mean, you, know you can talk about football in a, a combat like fa factor all you want. It, it's a joke compared yeah. to. I mean, all the war analogies yeah. and things aren't that, that, the yeah. same. Yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> no, you no, know? It's, it's, don't I, go down that road. I yeah. remember talking to Kyle, and I said, you know, because he was saying, "Well, you know, training camp." I go, "Listen." You know, nobody was trying to kill me. No, uh -huh. I'm paid well. There's referees. We're all going home at the end of the day. There's I, treatment at the well, end. Yeah. And what a difference the, between, right, right, you know, right. what, what you, my son, have gone through and experienced uh, in-house, you know, that sort of thing. So, anyhow, we're going to be back with more. I'm, all right. I'm sure we can scrounge up a donut or two around here somewhere. <laughs> still on, still searching. There. Still searching back after this. Showtime! The Black and Gold live here 24-7. This is SNR. You know, Matt, one of the things I think is crazy about football is just you, you never know what you're going to experience. And I thought it was great. There was an article, and they're talking about uh, Minka Fitzpatrick hmm. and Grady Brown, who was the Steelers' secondary coach, how he had six years ago Minka in a football camp and was trying to recruit him to South Carolina. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, right. and here he is six Small years world later in the football world. You know, yeah. yeah, coaching him. Yeah. You know, with the Steelers as both of them are professionals now. I mean, go figure on that one. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. And there's a lot of those. I mean, these kids are all through camps, and we had team passing camps at Pitt, and a lot of pros went through there. Some went to Pitt, some didn't. You know, but you remember them. I'm so old now that there's just so few that are in the league that I remember recruiting. Now. You know, like Larry's like the end of it. You know, Flacco, Revis, they're gone. You know, like a lot of the guys I remember watching the 16 year olds. You have a, you know, I remember we beat Ohio U on this guy, or Ohio State took this one off us. And you know, the history is interesting, and they, there's so much correlation. 
I mean, how about even Joe Schobert, though? I mean, he's got heavy Watt, tend- you know, Watt connections and right. a lot of Wisconsin guys floating around the Steeler organization. you got some cheese and- eaters, man. Yeah, right, right. Which, I mean, of course, we already talked about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Wisconsin's head coach was at Pitt, which I'm sure Kevin got to know well. Right, you know, right, all these just, All these correlations. And, and I often bring up getting let go by the Browns. But one of the best things you can do in this sport is a coach, scout, or whatever is to get fired because then you, you generally I went to the media but most people then get hired by a new staff and then right. your connections just grew by another dozen or 15 guys that you worked with you know like oh I remember when I worked with him 10 years ago at Ole Miss and now right. we're at you know Seattle Networking. together right 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 so you, you there, there's been so much time in the building together you go to a couple different places get fired and get hired somewhere else you're going to make a lot more buddies and you know a lot more connections that's how it works it is a closed community I it mean, is the, the coaching community is a tight one it is it is you know you think about all the we used to laugh and just do 6 degrees from uh, Tonchilkin you know that you know how he knew all these guys from working with teams in the off season and the media sure. and and as players and stuff and it was funny cuz he'd always go oh you know him too i do <laughs> for me, I'm like, oh, really? Uh, you know, you forgot have to about refresh that. my memory on that. Yeah, no doubt about it. But Minka, you know, Minka's just remarkable. What he's had, uh, I don't know how many, 13 takeaways since he came uh, to remarkable. Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, second most in the league during that time period. Uh, this is a remarkable turnabout when you consider the fire sale that was going on in Miami. Yeah. That somebody would, you know, you, you could pull that trade off. And then to do a Schobert, too. Yeah, we were talking to Labs right before you joined us, and we kind of were talking about that a little bit of, you know, it didn't, you know, I guess Tomlin said something along the lines of, it didn't take a lot of discussion to realize we were interested in Schobert. You know, we, we didn't have to. Now, did he say it was just a, a call? It was just a call about by Jacksonville? I, yeah, I guess, I haven't read it yet, but I guess Bob wrote something for Steelers.com yes. kind of describing how it all went down. And I guess Jacksonville reached out probably to a couple teams, you know, that decided he's on the block, we're going to, uh, and I mentioned, you know, the pro scouts for Jacksonville probably gave them a list of five or six teams that probably could use them. So you reach out, and then the Steeler people got together, and, and Coach Tomlin said it didn't take a whole lot of discussion. We knew exactly who this player was. When, when we found he was available, we acted quick, and we were in. And you're really seeing that lately with Kevin. You know, you brought up Minka, Joe Hayden. Joe Hayden falls in your lap. I mean, right. I don't want to say bad organizations, but often losing organizations are not the strongest organizations. And some of these organizations that have not won games make poor decisions. And if they're going to give you a gift, take it. Well, when you keep having staff turnover, That's you know what huge. I mean? That's huge. Think about it. You got how many head coaches has Cleveland yeah. run through? How many head coaches has Jacksonville run through? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's everybody. I understand you want your, your guys. Of okay. course, I get that. Yeah. But that doesn't mean the old guys are bad. No, that's right, right. the problem. How you know, now when you have when you have like you think again, Chuck Knoll, Bill Cower, and Mike Tomlin, when historically everybody what? Your average on average, at least fourteen years, yeah. fifteen years, these guys, you know, your head coach, you're gonna have the ability to weather storms. You're gonna have the ability to add players. In, in niche spots that you want. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, all this sort of stuff that you can't do if you're on a two-year, you know, rented hot seat. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the same scouts surely watched Hayden, Schobert, Minka in college. Probably gave them good grades. And then another group of pro scouts watched them all, or you played against them, certainly the, with right. the Browns, you know, and your coaching staff becomes familiar with them. And it's all the same group. I mean, the same people in the room have the same opinion against playing against Hayden as wanting them on your team. I'd rather play with them than against them, you know. And I referenced my year with the Browns a lot, but it was amazing. I mean, I grew up a Steeler fan and in Pittsburgh, of course. I was, in, you know, I was on a one-year contract, 365 days. And in those 365 days, Butch Davis was our head coach, I think, for 10 games. Got let go, and Terry Rubisky became the interim. Right. Who was then replaced by Romeo Cornell. So <laughs> that's just in this con- just within my one contract. Days. I yeah. had two GMs and three head coaches, and every time I and this was like a thing people don't think about, but like the the building was always under construction. They had a new <laughs> stupid brownie mascot that they were breaking in. Like there's always something new. Like right. there's nothing to hang your hat on, and every time I'd come off the road. Without fail, you know, back then, it was a while ago, there would be a 
a card sitting on my desk. This secretary, this guy, this guy, and the and are gone. These are the new people. Like no kidding. all the time, there was just constant shuffling in the build. Nothing was stable ever. You can't win like that. No, you can't. I you mean, can't. the continuity that that lacks in that it, it yeah. comes about. Two strength coaches. You know, they replaced Buddy Morris with uh, the guy from Arizona. You know, like right. These guys, it's hard to win that way. It is. It really and, is. And in better, I mean, really, what hit me was I spent like nine months on the road. We were a real strict Miami the U defense. Four three stack. We want speed. You know, that was Butch Davis, that was Dallas. And then Romeo takes over and like, oh, we're a three four now. You can pretty much take all those notes and throw them away. You know, it's just not <laughs> to mention that trips, you're gonna right. get, have to change personnel. Big time. You know, all these guys we had that didn't fit the four three four that weren't terrible players, that were NFL right. players. You have to replace all them as if we didn't have enough problems. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and then all my scouting notes were for a different scheme. So it's like I have to look at all these guys through different eyes and they spent all this money putting me on the road and all this time I spent doing something that really doesn't do us any good anymore. Oh my goodness. I mean that it's that's crazy. just kinda yeah. like nightmarish. Right. You know, I mean one it, year. absolutely. Uh, you know, I look at Minka, and one of the things that I love is the fact that now Mike Tomlin uh, comes up and says, "Hey, we need you to be more vocal." You know, we've got we've lost a lot of voices. Vinny, you know, Vince Williams is one of those. Glad guys. you brought that up. Yeah, yeah. Um, those ty- those type of guys are big. I mean, on defense especially, Mike is so big about communication, mm-hmm. about being able to communicate and be able to get everybody on the same page, about having some. You know, experiential wisdom out there. I mean, Keith Butler references that. Mink is very smart. Sure. Mink is one of these guys that understands football. You know, I see correlations between a, a Mink and Fitzpatrick and a Mike Webster. Mike mm-hmm. Webster is very much the same way. You know, it was kind of like Mike was never real. He was never vocal, real vocal. But he, when he spoke, all people listened. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And I don't know what he's trying to get out of Minka in that that regard. Obviously, he has great football intelligence and plays a position where that's very important as a deep middle center fielder and baiting quarterbacks and when to hold them, when to fold them. But that doesn't mean he's a great communicator. I mean, it's kind of back right. to the coach thing. I mean, sometimes people are great players, but they're not great coaches because they don't communicate it properly. I don't know if you caught this. And I can't remember if I brought it up yesterday when we were in the air because you were on the air, you were in the booth. I was just sitting at home watching the game. Actually, I was sitting here watching the game on TV. And Missy interviewed Coach Tomlin after mm. the first half, and one of the first. And at that point, all the rumors were swirling. Steelers yes. traded for Schobert. You know, can we talk about it or not? And he said immediately, "Our communication in the front seven isn't good enough." Mm, right. And back to our point about you know, uh, Josh, uh, uh, Dots, Kevin Dotson and those guys. He doesn't say much just to say things. You no. know, like, and I'm immediately going, "Well, Joe Schobert's a pretty good communicator." He's gonna be yep. on the field an awful lot. Like if that's a hard thing for us as analysts, let alone fans, to be like, they're not communicating enough well enough in the front seven. How would we know that? You know, I mean that, that's you really wouldn't. hard. Right. But if he recognizes it and the defensive staff recognizes it, let's go get a communicator that is going to make sure everyone's in the right place instead of starting, you know, behind the eight ball. You know, it's funny because I wonder how much of this was just, you know, Jacksonville reaching out. And I think it was more of that, according to Bob. That's that that's, was their idea. To me, that's that's like uh, that. It's prolific. I mean, yeah. You, you come out, you go. Well, let me just hand you um, the absolute basic need you got, right? You know, defensively speaking, because for a six round pick. I mean, it's not like that's going to make or break their organization, yeah. right? I mean, Maker was a first rounder. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's Schobert, right? Right. Schobert, I mean, you got three or four years of 100-plus of tackles. you got right. interceptions. you got forced fumbles, fumble recoveries. This guy is a three-down linebacker. He's one of these guys capable of you know, running in coverage and, and running sideline to sideline and hitting and standing up on the inside, coming through, and, and banging somebody. Yeah, you know? and he looks like exactly what the Steelers have been looking for for a couple of years. Is a really nice compliment to your top guy and more insurance if Bush can't go for whatever reason. And it's back to your original point, like Urban Meyer gets to Jacksonville and he wants his guys. Great. And I understand Schobert's not super young for this giant rebuild and he's making a fair amount of money. But they're not up against the cap. And no. is that six-round pick going to make you any better? Yeah. You know? uh, how much How much you really you're gaining there? Yeah, Trying exactly. to think of the inside linebackers. That, I mean, Miles that, Jack's a good young player that right? does a lot. And they brought in a dude named Wilson who's fine. You know, they gave free agent money too. But – 
It's not like they're great there. I mean, it's not Ham and Lambert. I mean, it, they're, they're okay. Good point, right? Yeah. I mean, th- that made me crazy with the whole the Hayden thing. Like, that's when the Browns really tanked. Like, they basically told the world, we're trying to lose as many games as possible and get the first overall it's the pick. Fi- Miami fire sale in Cleveland. Yeah, right, right, right. I mean, but why get rid of Joe Hayden and, like, Mitchell Schwartz, who was a quality in his prime right, right tackle? You didn't trade him for a first-round pick. You just let them walk. You know, like, you got to have some semblance of, you know, continuity and older guys and good football players. You know, a fire sale in Cleveland is kind of a dangerous thing when you consider that that's the only city I know where a, a river caught on I fire. I say it might catch the water on fire. <laughs> Come on. Come on. You know, what are you going to do with that, you know? Oh, But Mitchell Schwartz, yeah. The Schwartz, as I like to say, because uh, there was there was a great – what movie was that? It's baseball. Ma- May the Schwartz Baseball's be with yeah. you. Right? May the Schwartz be- Oh, thank you, man. <laughs> Way to go. Uh-oh. You know, when we, two of us are on the same mindset. That, Trouble. It's scary for you, I would think. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the fact is you take a look at this, and Minka, again, growing in wisdom, that's like, you know, you have a, a Mike Webster. Mike was – he had great football knowledge. Mm-hmm. You wisdom. know, I remember, yeah. I remember when we were in Dallas uh, second year when Terry Bradshaw – I talked about they had the, the Dallas doomsday defense that staggered 4-3, you know, and, um, you know, he, he called one play, and, and Mike comes, he's up at the line scrimmage, Terry starts to count, he goes, uh, Terry, you got to get out of it. So then Terry audibles, goes to another, and Mike goes, you can't run that either, Terry. Wow. <laughs> you know, and then, you know, one more, and then, and then time out, you know, because literally Mike was telling him, you can, you, there's three different checks he went to that he couldn't run. No, 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 yeah, he got all confused on it and everything like that. Of course, uh, that's the type of football knowledge and wisdom having a coach out on the field oh. like uh, Keith Butler refers to Minka. Yeah, and I bet offensively, of course, Ben aside, they're probably looking for those guys as well. You know, I mean, uh, Ben's not going to be here forever, and I'm sure he benefited from pouncing the Castro's wisdom exactly. and that type of thing yes. too. They're probably looking for guys that are going to be, you know, fit that mold. Um, Minka looks like he could be a long-term guy that way. Schobert was added in that direction. You know, Hayward's going to have a say, and, and Watt's oh, going to yeah. go, you know. So uh, I, I think it's something that they pay a lot of attention to. And I wonder, over the course of history, there's been so many great quarterbacks, and they get all the accolades, and we get that. But where would Montana be without his center? Or, you know, Marino right. with, without Stevenson? Or, you know, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of great center you know, combinations where – that center might have got him in the right call a lot more than we realize. Oh, there's no question. I mean, yeah. think, you know, of course, that does not make you go Kendrick Green. You know, there's sure, sure. You know, he's got a lot him. on his plate, but he's uh, enough, obviously, trying to block the guy in front of him. Exactly. So, uh, to this point, he's he's conducted himself well. Um, J.C. Hassenauer also has has, uh, has played well. But get, getting back to the main point with Minka, yeah. um, I love the Mike Tomlin challenging him, not just. Not just on the field, though. In the locker room, mm-hmm. in the weight room. You know, again, um, make a re- refer to, look, you know, hand- handling yourself as a professional. I prepare. He says, I, I prepare very well. Mm-hmm. Well, it's obvious that he does. I mean, you sure. can see by what he puts on the field that he prepares very, very well. And that sort of thing, I can never overemphasize um, what it means to have a guy in the room like that, that young guys, and Mick is still a young guy, but young guys look at it and go, okay, that's what it looks like to be a pro. Yeah, without question. I think that says immense value. And there's a lot of different types of leaders. You know, you mentioned the way Webster didn't speak a lot, and I'm sure he commanded a locker room a lot different than Joe Green. Or, you know, I mean, there's just everyone has different ways of leading. But it's so important, and you could speak this better than me, that if your best players are your best leaders, yeah, you're gonna be in pretty good shape. Yes, you know, I mean it's great to have shape. the backup linebacker be a leader, but it's not quite the same as your best pass rusher or your quarterback. You know what I mean? It's just it, it doesn't carry the same weight. That's why I think Cam is so big. Yeah, for this right, team. right. Cam Hayward just keeps producing, you know, Pro Bowl quality years. Mm-hmm. Um, he has really ascended to a level of greatness that it's like I said, uh, we'll never see the likes of Joe Green here again in Pittsburgh, but. You know what, Cam Hayward is about as close as you're going to get to him. Right, and boy, he carries a lot. He's a big stick in that locker room, too. Oh, yeah. You know, without question. I mean, he has a lot of value on and off the field. He does, and I again, he's one of those multipliers of those around him, which is very hard to do. Sure. Find guys sure. like that that really multiply those around him, whether it's, you know, a couple of years ago, just face Melton, the young Devin Bush when he aired on third <laughs> down, or, you know, 
or who or, or Terrell Edmonds comes into the huddle and he says Terrell he says me the first thing you do when you screw up is you look at Big Cam. <laughs> Yikes! Yeah, you, you know, don't want to answer to him. Yeah, right? you, you know, you got to come and answer to him, and it's it's not a fun thing. Not, not a fun thing. <laughs> we'll see who that guy is on the O line. You know, I mean, they're, well, they're going to be searching true. for that a little bit, right? They are going to be searching for it. I mean, you think about it now. I mean, Chooks is the only guy that's really a holdover, and he's mm-hmm. a holdover in another on the other side of the line. So. Trey Turner's an older veteran, but he's still learning. Right, yeah, right. He's still finding his place because just because you're a veteran um, doesn't not necessarily mean that you you ascend oh, sure. to the leadership. Uh, you know, Especially capabilities. Yeah, yeah. Just getting to know him. Exactly. All right, we're just getting to know Matt. We're just getting to know me <laughs> <laughs> as we sit here. But we know Lam Martina. We'll be back after this. From Bradshaw and the Steel Curtain to Roethlisberger and Blitzburg, we are always talking black and gold on SNR. Back to the bell lap in the locker room with Dunch and Wolf and Matt <laughs> Williamson and, of course, the show killer himself, Brian Martina. Who I just love, obviously. All right. Now, uh, one of the things that's... Uh, one of the guys that keeps popping up is this kid Anthony Johnson from uh, yeah I University of Buffalo Large Prairie Mills, right right as Steve Corson used to refer to the the, the, <laughs> the bison and the bulls and all that sort of stuff so uh, like what I see yesterday another one handed catch mm. pulled it in um, this kid makes some noise. I don't know a ton about them. Uh, I gotta be honest. Some of those uh, receivers that are low on the depth chart, I, I need to do more homework on. I think there's an opportunity for them. I don't know that Ray Ray McLeod is guaranteed a spot. I, I think it'd be nice to have, not, and probably not to the Hayward Bay level, but have your last guy on that in, in that room be a really good special teams mm-hmm. player. And I'm not sure exactly who that is yet. So I think there's opportunity there, and Johnson's as good a candidate as any to grab it. In, in my mind, yeah, I yeah. think uh, you know, just looking at this kid, uh, you know, he's shown shown me some stuff on special teams. Showed up there. Obviously, like you said, yeah, the Darius Hayward Bay. You know, it's funny how Hayward Bay really, you go from being, he was like the 6th or 10th overall right, draft right. pick and reinvented himself oh. in, a, in a tough guy manner. That, he easily could have faded away. Yes, I mean, easily He didn't play special teams at Maryland or early in, you know, with the great Raiders. Great point. Right, you know. How do guys do that? Right. I mean, in the midst of a career change, I think you got to have a serious conversation with yourself. Sure. Uh, I mean, I, I think a guy like him is really important because he was a veteran that, frankly, didn't live up to the draft status, of course. And if he doesn't, if he's not the fast guy in the combine, Al Davis probably doesn't take him, and he probably wouldn't have that, been picked that high anyone but Al Davis, who wanted the fastest guy at the combine every year. Right. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, it's not his fault that he got overdrafted. But he was not a special teamer. He was not a real physical guy. He was a run-fast, outside-the-numbers receiver. But you know, you and I brought this up a couple times with Coach Tomlin. Boy, he did an amazing job of keeping Antonio – getting as much out of Antonio yes, Brown as he yep. did. I wasn't in the room, but I bet Hayward Bay had something to do with that too. You know, a 10-year veteran that's taken his course to spend every day with a guy like Brown or the young guys, you know, Juju this... and those type of guys – they don't That's really have that I guy in the room, consider, but I, yeah. you know, I mean, I bet you no choice but to learn from his life experiences a little bit, his NFL life experiences. Mm. You know what I mean? That's interesting. To be a core special teamer. I mean, stayed in the league for a lot of years because he was good on teams. Absolutely, and he had all that speed. Yeah, right. You know, right. And he still was a serviceable fourth receiver. Yeah, you, know, you can still use him on offense. No for sure. People about are afraid it. of his speed. Yeah. You know, I, 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 the, the wide receiver room's been so good with their drafting. You know, they they keep hitting on all these second and third round picks. But I wonder, you know, would it be behoove them? And maybe this guy's not even in the organization to pick up that eight year veteran who's a stud special teamer that's just been around the block. Right. You know, well, there's always those guys always have capabilities. Yeah. And yeah. Their, their capabilities also spread over to the young bucks in the room. Uh, one of the guys that uh, is a young buck who keeps catching my eye again and, and again yesterday was Zach Gentry. Hmm. Zach had a nice catch uh, in one-on-one uh, their route running, doing something. Um, but I think it was even like a one-hand or something. He's come and, a long way. You know, he has. Yeah. You know, he keeps making some plays again. Raider, Gentry, um, even Fryermuth again, picking up his uh, blocking scheme a little bit again. Mm-hmm. Uh, these guys are pushing from the bottom up. Yeah, I kind of feel like tight ends, 
not been a weakness, but hasn't been a super strength of late. And Vance McDonald, at the end of his year, end of his career, was hard to count on for a lot of snaps. And Ebron's a real specialty player, right? But I feel like the state of the tight end room is the best it's been for a while because yeah. Ebron's still what he is. I think Fryermuth is a premier prospect, and those last two guys are probably fighting for one spot, but they're really different. They are really different, and you know. I... Raiders just got so much um, special teams capability mm-hmm. as well as being a, a ground and pound blocker. You know, he's he, for his size, you know, 6'4, 250, uh, he gets a lot of bang at the line he does. of scrimmage. He seems to enjoy it. Yes, yeah. yeah. And yeah. he's not afraid of the dirty work. Yeah. And yet, I've seen his route running and pass catching to me seems to have gotten better. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I won't say he's. The greatest by any means. I mean, Ebron again. He's he's capable though. Yeah, but yeah. but you know, I would say you know definitely definitely Kevin Rader is is uh, capable, and Zach Gentry again has that um, upstairs you know writ, you know that catch radius they yeah, talk that's about a rare that's, thing that that is that is big. I mean, he he exhibited it yesterday in the one on ones. I thought his frankly, I thought his first two years here weren't very impressive. No. You know, and you know, like wow, I'm not sure what they really saw in him. And people get on people for drafting, quote, projects. Well, he's 6'12". Well, that's what they saw. <laughs> that's what they saw in him, right. Yeah. And he's smart and he works hard and turned himself into a, into a capable player that's probably going to stick here or somewhere or on a practice squad. But I think he's now an NFL player. Like, he's out of the woods there. You know, like, it, it, some, some of these guys, you look at him like, I don't know if that guy's an NFL player. Now I think he's an NFL player. Exactly so. I saw two plays in Philly that really impressed me. One at the line of scrimmage, an inline tight end. He just drove the guy down to the inside, cleared mm-hmm. away. Second one was on the counter tray where he's trailing behind a pulling guard or tackle. I can't remember which. But he, he buried. And yeah, I mean, right. buried the line. That never would have happened two years ago. Oh, or even <laughs> last year. <laughs> right, right. All right. Thank you, Matt yeah, Williamson, for sitting in. Thank you, show killer Lam Martina. For Dungeon Wolf, we'll be back on Monday. Tuesday. Or Tuesday. Yeah. I'm yeah. doggone it. I, you even said it, I think, and I, I screwed it up. Right. Gave me one All chance. All these days kind of run together to me. And we'll be back again. See you Tuesday. You're listening to the official voice of Black and Gold Nation, SNR.